Zane Lowe, Apple Music. Hi, everybody. It's Zane. Thanks for joining me once again on the interview series. This week's conversation is with an amazing artist and producer called James Blake. James's first steps into music really were in this kind of eccentric, dance floor-focused electronic music space. But then as he started to evolve as a songwriter using his voice more, people, including myself, all became pretty obsessed with James's ability to just make us stop what we're doing with a simple arrangement and his voice. The songwriting really became a focus and the rest is history. But when I caught up with James Blake at the start of 2023 to hear new music, it became clear that he missed that energy that you get from playing your own records on dance floors and seeing how people are reacting at the peak of the night. You combine where he started, where he's been, and where he's at right now, and you get this amazing new album called Playing Robots Into Heaven. We speak about that and a whole lot more with the one and only James Blake right here, our latest guest on the interview series. Talking to you about it gave me the confidence in the idea that it was actually the next James Blake album mm. and that it's actually my... No, this is my sound. Mm. This is, in my opinion, like my most natural state. Mm. Like it, there's no skill. I didn't need to acquire any skills to make it. It just happened from what I was in that moment. That was a good day in the office though, wasn't it? Yeah. That was a good day. It was a good day. That was one of those moments where you can sit back and confidently say to yourself quietly, mm -hmm. if not out loud, but probably only with you in the room. Mm -hmm. Fuck yeah. But yeah, that's what I said. I smash that. Fuck yeah, I smashed that. <laughs> it's so, facts. They, yeah, it's facts. facts. They were my very words. It's facts. And then I said facts afterwards. <laughs> Start to finish facts. Yeah. The whole thing is a stunner. I've lost count okay. how many times I've been lucky enough to be able to hang out on the record and at times off the record mm -hmm. and talk about music and life with you. I treasure every one of them. Thank you. And Me I'm excited too. to dive into this and to playing robots into heaven. I mean, you work with people, you're a generous collaborator, but this is you mm -hmm. and very few other people trying to find purpose and trying to find something new to say. Mm -hmm. And so the question I've never asked you is, where does it start this time? How do you know it started? How do you know it's the beginning of something new and not just tutoring about in the studio, fucking around with sounds, having fun? Yeah, well, actually, you know, fucking around with sounds and having fun was was the start of this. And it started alongside probably Friends That Break Your Heart around that time. I was also making kind of, um, I got into like modular synths. And, yeah, you uh, did. I did. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I did. And it's um, obsessive, right? I know oh, people who've yeah yeah absolutely it's uh it's a, an amazing outlet for um addiction or uh <laughs> ADHD um it's a midlife crisis 10 years too soon for yes, you mate yes absolutely yeah. <laughs> um or who knows i mean we have longer lifespans now uh, it could be a, a third life crisis and i just had this you know the, this increasingly large folder of modular jams that I'd been making and you know I had like 120 modular jams and they were all like an hour long and I was just going through them and are you fucking baked off your head when you do because in my <laughs> head the best way to do this is to just do a bowl and yeah. just work on modular synths for like eight hours just yeah. consistently just topping up just smoking mad weed that is the classic combo but um <laughs> good I find that when I smoke good weed... Good to I, see something good came out of the 90s, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, exactly. I can't make music on, like, when I'm smoking weed. It, it, um, 
it uh, the last thing I made when I when I smoked was Klavierwerke, and mm. it was. It, the sound of the synth sounds like a heartbeat. Mm. And I remember as I was making That's it... That's your anxiety attack in real I, time. <laughs> literally, as I was making it, it was it sounded like my heart was arrhythmic, you know, like I was having some kind of <laughs> like heart problem, and I started freaking myself out and worrying that I was going to die. Um, Got a good tune out of it. Tune's good, though, yeah. Um, and so... I've never really did it again because, you know, my heart, you know. You need it. Yeah, I need the heart. Anyway, so I did all these modular jams anyway, and I was just doing it for fun, and eventually I started turning them into pieces of music that were listenable because, you know, a lot of that stuff, it can be a bit, uh, uh, you know, some of it's atonal, some of it's, you know, like um, not necessarily in song format. It's very, sure. it's just like long periods of synth exploration, mm. should we say. But mm. um, to the layman, it just sounds like, you know, just just stuff that's not, I mean. Does it sound like this? Did this come out of a modular jam? It did. So this was one of those things that you found, settled into, uh-huh. and it organically just followed yeah with no destination at the time mm-hmm. fuck me so with this oh, i was listening so to this over and over and over and over and then i came up with this melody <laughs> yeah and it had no lyrics initially mm. uh, we did it on tour and at what point did um your body chemistry shift and you realized that you'd found something that you were deeply in love with well, I f- this this tune first started as a breakbeat, like the the beat was like breakbeat really, um, and that's when I sort of fell in love with it, uh, bassline, all that stuff, and then it was just a matter of getting the beat right and no, it's about getting them. the fucking lyrics and the and that because oh, yeah. you could fuck that up. You right, got this. Sure. This yeah. could be an instrumental and move people. But you added such an incredible moment to it. It just gave it that center. That's also a good fucking day at the office, isn't it? A lot of, good, was, yeah. a lot of good days at the can office. I on this album. I, every no, time I come here, I no, ask if I can no, have one of those buttons. No. I need one for my house. Sure. What you do in your house is your business, but You're you can't right. touch mine. Yeah, right, okay. All right. I, I, yeah. I don't go I into your you. house and start fucking around with your modular synths. But do you know what I mean? You're right. You're right. And I was out of order for asking. It's really challenging, I think, for people to understand how tough it is to take something that feels really instrumentally and find a place that's necessary for a vocal. Right. That needs it rather than you want to put on. That needed yeah. that. If you'd wanted to put it on, it probably wouldn't have fit. Yeah, and it had to sort of be simple and... The, mel- the melody had to be simple and kind of repetitive and you know it's funny there's an intersection between pop and dance music that just is kind of it's like they they arrive at the same idea without without even real without even meaning to but mm. it's just the re- it's the repetition thing it's like like underworld do that beautifully yeah beautifully exactly yeah you know? yeah and there's obviously tiny echoes of of underworld or not even underworld but like just just the tempo that style and it's tempo. fast yeah it's fast like yeah that's the thing a lot of people when they're trying to create emotion and dance music 
understandably and rightfully fall in between 120 and about 128. Mm. That's what, 135? Yeah, it's, it's fast, yeah. And and I guess it's all, yeah, it's all just like analog drum machines and distort, distortion and, pe- and, you know, it's just vibe and not, not so much thinking, which I, which I think, it, you know, someone like me, I, I think I can, I can overthink and... So a lot of the music on this record is is um, you know happened quite quickly and it's not really that overwrought you know. Is that why we're listening to what is effectively the closest thing to um, a club record that you've made in a while? Definitely, I mean I don't think I've ever made a club record apart from um, the CMYK. Yeah, the beginning and yeah. you know stuff that was designed for that completely. But this is this sort of isn't really designed for the club particularly. I mean it's sort of just designed to be. To sound good loud and i think it's it's like i think some some of my favorite electronic music has come around from from people who are really plugged into a certain scene but then also some of it's come from people who are completely detached from scenes altogether and and i think you know living in la for eight years it's kind of like not been you know i've not been plugged into a london clubbing thing for a long time apart from when I pop up there and mm. and stuff and obviously I still have friends who who play there but I don't think it has any bearing on how you are respected or or, or um received within the scene but I acknowledge your, your point about um f- for one reason or another separating yourself from it geographically yeah um there's lots of reasons to move to LA um, totally, yeah. but 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 was to some degree do you think even looking back on it now that this is a subconscious part of this whole experience that has been by design that in a way you are happier when you're not playing nice in the sandpit with everybody else yeah i mean I've, i was always like that really i mean i sort of had i don't know i i, I would be kind of shopping my beats to djs at, at like you know various like clubs club nights and stuff and and i'd hope that they would play them and 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 when they did it was always a great feeling but the music always just sounded so different from the rest of the set Mm. it was a blessing and a curse really because obviously it just doesn't fit and that's good when you want to do something when they want to do something different very often they would end on it <laughs> okay, all DJs and anyone deep in club culture knows that you you either end on a song because it's like peak of the night. I'm sending you home with a big fart, smile on your face, or you're doing someone a solid. Yeah, you're, you you end the tune because it's your mate. You, you end, end the night with a tune because it's your mate. And um, so, I think maybe they just yeah, it was like a pity party. Um, God no, bless it, it though. God bless that pity party. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. Imagine if you imagine if if everyone had decided that it's like an episode of Black Mirror. There's a parallel universe where James Blake's songs, like yeah. are like the Swedish House Mafia or something, like the biggest tunes of every single night, and you're yeah. miserable. You're yeah. sitting behind the DJ booth on your thirteenth bottle of high level tequila. Yeah. Everyone's just like taking selfies with you. Yeah. Your hair's different. Yeah. You're wearing different hair, clothes, leather wonder, trousers. Yeah. You're wearing leather trousers, obviously. probably. Obviously, you've got your, your shirt at least three buttons lower than it is right now. It's kind of low right now. And, you know, and it's like... <laughs> there is another universe where James Blake is the peak era, the peak of the night. Yeah, there's, I mean, it's, it's a... Um, there's a there's in a, the multiverse, there, I'm sure there's one... Influences. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It'd be me. Oh, my God, this event is so rad. This... This event is so rad. 
Who's playing? Who cares? I just love the event. <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's all I want anyone to say, by the way. It's happening in another universe. But I want it in this universe. I know. I, 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 know. I hope. That's Mar I hope. Marvel have been trying to fix that for 60 years. Yes. I just want it in, in, in some permutation of this world. That, mm. um, But maybe hopefully in this one that um, well, somebody's just raving and they don't give a shit. In this universe, yeah. you are incredibly successful amongst 49-year-old <laughs> influencers. <laughs> we love you. Great. And this event is rad. Oh, yeah, it is. It is. Look, I mean, it's, it's, it's funny because we've joked about this before off the yeah. record about the idea of other people's version of success, mm -hmm. who James Blake is to everybody mm -hmm. versus who, what it is you're actually trying to achieve. And I wonder, like, um, there must be times when those two things marry beautifully and it's in harmony. And you're like, yeah, this is exactly what I wanted to make and where it sits right now in the conversation and within the audience right. and, and where I am is beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And, there, and But there must be times because it happens to every artist where you feel a bit misunderstood. Yeah, well, I mean, that was kind of the purpose of releasing Big Hammer first. I mean, it's, the, it's one of the only songs on the record that doesn't have me singing on it. Um, but it's also a kind of nod to an energy that, like, I probably, I can't, you know, I'm not the Ragged Twins, do you know what I mean? So I, uh, I can't, that's, there's something I can't do myself, but I can, the, you know, the, the energy of that track is, it, it was undeniable and I needed to put it on it. Um, and it's funny because there are going to be, I know there are going to be people who, who just, just not really into it, but. And and in fact, there was one review, um, a reviewer who 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 normally loves Can't my shit, and he was just like, it's like it's just annoying, it's just an annoying sound. I was like, yeah, fair. I mean, to someone <laughs> to someone who doesn't have any, to someone who doesn't have any connection with that kind of music, it probably just sounds like crazy frog. Well, on my comments when I put up the this thing, someone was like, uh was like, are you sure this is James Blake? And everyone's just like, yeah. he was a dubstep producer before a singer. And yeah. like, you've exposed yourself as a new fan. And then someone else <laughs> like, people in the comments, not real James Blake here, they don't know he could do it all. And it's like the amount of people yeah. that came out there and were just like. I got people, real defenders coming out of the woodwork. It was great. But yeah. hey, it's, um, I didn't mean it to cause division. Uh, amongst you the uh, YouTube you, comments. Of course you did. I mean, Big Hammer's not, it's, it's hardly a... <laughs> no, I did, I did. Of course did. you did. It's I not did. like a, you didn't open the door ever yeah, so yeah. slightly and be like, is anybody, is anybody out there? You yeah, fucking yeah. kicked it off its hinges. It was designed to be subversive. It was designed to make sure that it went, people wouldn't know what the fuck the album sounded like. And the next tune that I'm dropping called Loading is with my voice. Um, although when you first hear it, like a lot of people don't know it's me singing, but it is. I love that though. Um, you have the, mastered the ability to make yourself sound like many different people, and it's it's awesome. And um, and I I know how beautiful your voice is, and everybody does now how beautiful Thanks. your voice is naturally, and 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 when it's just um, without all effects and everything else like that. Um, but when you are kind of processing your vocals in a way and trying to kind of design a collaborative experience almost, a feeling that you're not alone. Mm -hmm. Is it that deep? Like, is it like, I'm looking to create something that, f I'm, I'm looking to create a connection mm -hmm. artistically, even mm -hmm. though I'm only here on my own. Yeah, it's definitely a way to have um, features without having to deal with um, 
people's egos. Yeah. Um, but it's a way of separating me from the vocal I'm listening to so mm. that I can then treat it like mm. shit, basically. I can do whatever I want rather than it be this precious thing. It's like when I'm dealing with my own vocal, I always feel this kind of... It's like everything that surrounds it then has to kind of match the identity of me and the vocal. And sometimes yeah. that's a prohibitive, but when I'm pitching my vocal around, it's just, you know, then the beat can be any way. Yeah. The chords can be any way. The vibe can be any way. It just, it just totally changes it. Given that you primarily work on your own, I know you have a couple of people you work with and there's a co-producer and elements on this record and stuff, but do you ever sort of, do you still suffer from a crisis in confidence? Do you still suffer from moments when you've lost touch with the, with your inner voice and you're just kind of like well i'm having a bit of an out-of-body experience within my own creative process here yeah well i get sick of my own voice for a start mm. i mean that's that's the thing i just seem to be on all my own songs it gets quite boring for you for me yeah because obviously there's so many more songs that aren't coming out as the most people are wait. you know if, if they're a fan of mine they're waiting two years for for me to bring out a new song you know for me it's like there's just constant songs of mine floating around and I, I tend to have to listen to them a lot because I'm producing them. Yeah. So yeah, you do get sick of your own voice. But at the same time, I think my confidence has grown recently. I think this album is actually like the most confident I've been putting an album out for mm. quite a long time because it's not trying to be good at anything. You know, it's like, well, I feel like with Friends That Break Your Heart, I was kind of trying to be good at songwriting and coloring anything a little bit the same. I was try was, there was a lot of like pursuit of something great that I didn't have yet. Um, mm. And kind of a, almost a, you know, desire is suffering, you know, it's like that kind of thing of like, it's, it's over there and it's very difficult to, when you're feeling, when you're thinking about something in those terms of, acquiring a skill or or trying to get to a certain imaginary spot well you're immediately taking yourself out of the moment you are taking yourself out which of the is moment. incredibly anxious it is and also <laughs> you're 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 also kind of admitting that what you are is not enough good enough right now yeah 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 but also you're gonna have to be the one who judges whether or not you made it yeah and actually it's funny because those those moments did end up you know i mean like friends at break heart was probably my best performing album that i've put out even though it was fourth or fifth in my career, you know, mm. assume form in that probably. Um, but I still, I think to some extent, I felt like I was trying to convince the the art form in a way. And I, and I, with this, it's like everything, every skill that was required to make this record was already there. It's dawning on me now. It's not a solo record. It's... It's an album you've made with all of the people who put these analog synths together, these modular yeah. synths together. They gave you these these really cool ideas and the mm -hmm. and the and the starts of something. Um, a lot of the musicality that ultimately informs the songwriting mm -hmm. is already flowing through these machines, these mm -hmm. robots you talk about. Yeah, I mean, it's like I probably owe more to like Intelligel, who make this Metropolis sequencer, than I do to Stevie Wonder on this album. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like there's there's whereas on other albums there were influences that just went all the way through like yeah, him like yeah. others um but this is um the machines definitely spoke for me in a lot of this and and the the kind of the way of creating you know there's a lot of talk about ai and stuff but you know generative music's been around a long time yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm way less worried about 
the arts or music, I should say, right. the specific yeah. than I am about other things. No, I, I, I'm with you. Yeah. Because to some degree, as you said, we've, we've been relying upon these predestined kind of presets and everything else for a long time. I mean, it's one of the great creative gifts to the modern era is the analog and modular yeah. synth yeah. because they ultimately gave you a template upon which to build mm -hmm. copyright free. Yeah, and AI is going to open up a lot of possibilities for composition too. Um, I think there's a lot of very exciting things going on with it. For example, there's this one guy um, who creates um, a synth called Synplant, mm. which is this thing where you can put in any sample. Say it's a sound of me going, duh, mm -hmm. and it will, the synth. That's will... the worst thing you've ever done with your voice in my presence, by the way. Mm -hmm. Like that, uh -huh. like a warm-up type thing. Like that. You should be able to do tunes. I should be able to do like the OK Corral. Yeah. Anyway, so something like that, like a sound. And then the synth would recreate that sound on a synth magically. It just does it. You don't have to do anything. That's cool. Yeah, it's amazing. It's like, if, you know, you could just imagine a thing and it just can be there. That's not, you know, we don't have that. If you, if you want to do that now, you've got to sit at a synth and like know how to use it, figure it. It's like there's going to be a lot of people who can make music who weren't previously able to in the ways that they want to. I think it's really interesting. But at the same time, obviously, as with every new technology, it creates uh, lack too. Again, I think with I think with the music side of things, um, I, you know me, my principles are all simple. I, I go where the artist goes. Mm -hmm. And it's served me really well in my life. Mm -hmm. If I've ever tried to chase an audience or, or do something that I feel yeah. to go into a room where people are, I fail. I mm -hmm. mean, I, I fall flat on my face before I even get to the door. Mm -hmm. But wherever the artist goes, that's where I'm going to go. Yeah. And, and so my feeling is that, that you will inform us how you want to use it mm -hmm. within an environment that is comfortable for you. And in your case, it may be using that synth. What's it called again? Oh, a uh, synth plant. Yeah. For other people, it may be just like Grimes, or I think she's hinting at this, the idea of like, you know, putting her name Warhol style mm -hmm. on a piece of art that someone else has made. And she's like, I, it sounds like me and I stand by it and I didn't lift a finger on it, but cool, what's the difference between that? and Yeah, she's getting... democratized herself. Right, in, in exactly. A way, which is an interesting and, and new way of thinking about and I artistry. I think we'd expect nothing less from someone like her to do that. You know, mm -hmm. she's very much at the forefront of thinking different. But I think um, if she's cool with that, I'm cool with that. Mm -hmm. As long as she's making money out of it. And I'm she's cool with that. that. She stands by it. She sees an artistic merit to that experience. Yeah. I'm okay with it. And so once I figured out, because everyone was asking me, I'm, I'm sure alongside you and anyone else who's kind of makes music their life mm -hmm. outside of family and friends, like what about the AI thing? Once I kind of figured out my position on it, at least in 2023, mm -hmm. which was if the artists are comfortable using it and use it in a way that makes them comfortable, I'm okay with it. If someone decides to come out there and sell me a Drake record that Drake isn't on and Drake doesn't like it, go fuck yourself. Absolutely. And and it's about making sure that the artists are enumerated. I mean, that's Correct. what I intend to... It's not a game. I just want to, you know, take part in making sure that it doesn't end up creating music in people's likenesses that are sold without their kind of yeah. it, uh, having shares in it, essentially. And, and, lacks, and, and also lacks the heart and the spirit and the... Well, it will lack heart and spirit Yeah, but anyway. But in a lot of ways, we're already existing in a world where what's considered that, the framework of that has been removed anyway. It's much deeper now in a different mm -hmm. way. What I mean is like, um, you know, 
I want to hear the artist stand by it. Like people say to me, are you worried about interviews happening and AI cutting you out? No, because they'll be too good. Mm -hmm. My interviews are at times really fucking shit and annoying. And that makes what makes the good parts good. It's got to have the both. It's got to have- They also, they haven't tried, I, I don't know. I don't think they've trained an AI to emulate a, a New Zealand accent. We'll be the last on the list. It's We always are. It's just, it's too nuanced. It's so nuanced. Even the way I just said that, nuanced. Nuanced. <laughs> it's true. We're always the last. I mean, in this case, it might be good. Maybe we'll be the last bastion of humanity down under. Yeah. Who'd have thought? G'day, mate. <laughs> yeah. AI will confuse you for Australians um, just as bad as any Uber driver. That'd be more offensive to me than almost anything else. Yeah. Not because I don't, not because I don't like Australians. Unless there's a game on, in which case I do not like Australians. Right, of course. But um, because our accents are to New Zealand is very different and to Australians very are. different. But to all of you fine folk around the world, we're one and the same and we're just <laughs> not. Do you hear the way I said, of course, of course they are. Yeah, it's very patronizing. So I didn't mean it to sound patronizing. It's, it's actually, they are very different. Um, not least because of the way you say your eyes in words. Thank you. Um, which is very nuanced. I forgot. Very nuanced. Well, I forgot how successful you are down under as well. I spent a lot of time down there. I love it. Yeah. Love it, but well, we love you. Thank you. Is there anywhere in the world that you're not, you can't play in terms of like, I'm not no sure there's anyone where show I'm, up. anywhere I'm hated. Uh, <laughs> I think. We your data shows that you, uh, like, yeah. people actively avoid your music. <laughs> um, they leave the bar when it comes on. There's places where there's no listeners. Like where? Like can you think of one or something? Um, <laughs> Where do you have zero engagement? <laughs> like it's so funny, but the idea of you showing up and nobody I don't know, knowing. I who don't you think are. anyone in Iceland has oh, heard of me. That's not fair. That's not. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think they have. That is not fair on Iceland. I don't think. Someone I think it's just Iceland. Bjork that knows who I am. <laughs> Just the idea of you showing up to Iceland. No one gives a fuck. No. Um, All right. Well, we've got work to do then. Mm -hmm. I, there was a time when I went to Ireland. I mean, I, you know, I love Ireland so much, but um, I went to um, a festival. It was on a particularly bad run bad festival run where i was putting on i was put on on all the wrong lineups basically right. and um i played this festival in ireland and who else was on hosier was the was the headline act and he was on at the same time as us right so you can imagine hosier in yeah. ireland yeah we went out and Very i was different. like i was backstage just going like doing my general like okay cool so i can you know you know stretching like just just getting because you know getting older and stuff so yeah yeah getting ready for what was you know, like what I was hoping was going to be a great festival show. Anyway, the music starts playing, um, you know, the intro walkout music. We're like, right, let's go. Going to kill this. Um, walk out. There's no second row. <laughs> it's it's one row. And then, and we're in, by the way, John, imagine John Peel tent size. Yeah, it's like 7,000 right? capacity. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Out looking out and there's like a couple of, there's some people picking up plastic <laughs> plastic cups they're closing up for the night they're, no seriously they're like god let's just use this james blake set to make sure we can keep this tent clean um because they can finally see all of the the, the, <laughs> the shit on the floor that everybody's left 
so that was yeah that was that was that was really genuinely a low point the last dj set i ever did i mean i've done them since sporadically but when i was touring right before i came to apple in la it was like to me and my team working on djing this was yeah. the end of the era mm-hmm. was at the oxford academy mm-hmm. and i pulled up my tour manager went in and he came out 10 minutes later he went yeah it's upstairs now <laughs> <laughs> and i went up there and it was the same it was like uh, about 12 people at the front oh. and um and at least you can disappear into your piano right i'm up on decks trying to get 12 people to put no. their hands in the air that's the last dj set you did yeah really well, yeah, on that run, I, I did like I, I did a festival on New Year's Eve in front of New Zealand headlined after the fireworks display at midnight in front of 20,000 people, triumphant return to my home country. Mm. My agent was like, let's put a couple more on, yeah? Just put, get a couple, couple of months, put a couple more on. I was like, yeah, sure. And it all just fucking fell off a cliff. I did a show recently with Don Tolliver, and um, it was at Rolling Loud Festival. And, oh, yeah, uh, it was just after we spoke. Yeah. I was wondering how that was going to go because you were basically in your pajamas when I saw you and you were like, yeah, I'm going to Rolling Loud later. I was like, well, you better yeah. fucking change. Yeah, right. I, well, I did. Um, and But I might as well not have. <laughs> I was stood backstage as, as he started his show and, and um, the, we'd not rehearsed anything. So it was just a matter of just walking out and doing the thing, mm. doing my verse. And anyway, I had the... Um, my in-ear monitors, I got some generic ones. Basically, they gave me some, like, headphone things, right? So immediately, the things, like, got caught on my clothes. It's tugging. So if I walk, my my, yes. my neck's being thrown back like that. It's a shit so I can barely really, like, you know, I can't really move around that much. So I'm, I'm feeling <laughs> very stiff. So anyway, he starts our song together, and um, he doesn't introduce me. So I'm like, I don't know when to come out. It's like one of the first times he's done this show and it's, yeah, it's yeah. going amazing, but yeah. he's, like, he's in it. So he forgets to introduce me and, I, and I, I'm like, okay, waiting for my moment. And I'm like, okay, I think this is where I come in. So I start walking out and of course no one knows I'm coming out. Yeah. So, and there's no like, there's no indication yeah. that that's going to happen. Yeah. So I just walk out like... <laughs> like this with like, your neck slightly pulled by this thing honestly it's like to catch a predator just coming in just <laughs> just unannounced walking out n- no one knows I'm coming start walking down this runway super slowly towards Don he's not looking at me <laughs> and my verse starts as I'm walking out so I have to just like while I'm walking just sing the thing until I get to the end I'm looking out no one knows who I am or what the song is. Why there's this guy singing on this song. I finally get to the end and my verse is finished. And then I'm like, okay, I've got to go. So then I walk back and, I, and I'm like, oh, that wasn't great. And then Justin Bieber's on the next song and he comes out and he's just like so natural. So natural, like fucking perfect consummate performer, like sort of like does the like, you know, the like, He's got the, the rapper moves, do you know what I mean? And he's yeah. just going out and killing it. And everyone's just like, Woo! like know. unbelievable I reception. I checked the Twitter afterwards <laughs> and people were like, why is Mr. Beast on stage? <laughs> Stop, man. You gotta stop. Yeah, so. <clears throat> but in a parallel universe... Yeah, in a parallel universe, everyone Bieber knew it. fucking flopped, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, he flopped and he flopped. I was victorious. I found listening to the album for the first time pretty emotional, you could tell. There's a couple of moments in there when I kind of, 
it got the better of me in uh, in a good way. I was happy about that. Well, you came around and I played it to you uh, in more of a home setting. Yeah. And I was very, very glad to play it you there because it just felt... And it was, I mean, to be honest, it was still being made in a way. Yeah. But, I, it, you know, I was finishing it up. But um, your reactions really gave me like a lot of confidence. And I think previous to playing it to you, I hadn't really considered how it could come across live and and what it meant for the next stage of my career. And, and in a way, I'd sort of thought of it as my, in a way, like a, almost like a detour to uh, like, what about this? You know, like this left field. And it actually talking to you about it gave me the confidence in the idea that it was actually the next James Blake album mm. and that it's actually my, no, this is my sound mm. and this is the next era. And to put more time and weight and kind of, you know, investment behind it because this is, in my opinion, like my most natural state. Mm. Like it, it is, it's like I said, no, there's no skill I didn't need to acquire any skills to make it. It just happened from what I was in that moment. I think it's how we fell in love with you and what you do. And then I think what happened was people, then you showed this other side of you that had been sitting there. Mm. We've talked about this many times. For me, it was the BBC session where you did the Johnny Mitchell cover. And overnight, everyone was like, what the fuck is, has he been sitting on? Like, shit. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I feel like that then to some degree started to inform what was possible. Mm-hmm. But you're right, like, and, and it's lovely you to acknowledge that. But I, for me, when I heard it, I was like, "Oh, this is what would have happened if if that voice had had not come out mm-hmm. as quickly as it did." Yeah, totally. I think you would have just kept totally. finding the emotion in the robots and uh-huh. like driving that shit. Yeah, I think that's true. I think that's true, and and you know, to some extent, music is kind of like you can never really separate like what you're doing from people's reactions to it and then how that's informing the next thing that's a beautifully made point by the way anyone listening to that that's a real put that in the book put that in the in the playbook Mm. anyone who says they can it's you can't not be informed no it's it's very difficult and and even if you know it's like we we can't really know our true nature in that way uh and so when it comes to it you may just be a victim of pavlovian conditioning you know it's like you might just be getting the pat on the head when you make a certain type of music and then just going where's you know that where's the next hit of sugar water so i think when it comes to i I had to i deserved it thank you i haven't heard that i just haven't heard it put that way before it's so true If if you just distill that down the idea that ultimately whatever you're doing in the present moment as much as you want to try to separate yourself from how it's being perceived in order to find a clear state of being going forward, it can not, not somehow influence mm-hmm. your next decision, which ultimately means you are attached to that experience, which again creates a Pavlovian. That's yeah, and that's kind of how some kind of album, how how some albums end up forming because they weren't, you know, you're not in, you're not making it in a vacuum, so you have to. Whereas I feel like because I was making this album alongside other things it kind of was made in a vacuum mm. and because no one really expected me to do anything Everyone was like looking this, at the puppet over here yeah there was yeah. a there was a kind of um and, the, and i guess the puppet was um coming back with scissor and the singles from that record mm. and the puppet was also life is not the same and songs like that which i 
absolutely love, but they mm. are me attempting songwriting in it. You know, it's funny. I actually played Rick Rubin coming back and he said, it, he was like, um, this isn't a very good song. <laughs> and I had to change it because it was at the time when I first played. <laughs> it's like, it sounds good, but it's not a good song. Rick has the most amazing ability, and this really is at his absolute core of his true being, yeah. to be able to tell you the truth yeah. and make you say thank you, yeah, no matter how harsh it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's some, there's something very genuine about the feedback. And also an absolute, and he's, now we know this because he's been talking about it from within his book, this unwavering belief in his own taste. Yeah. Which I love. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I don't really need a producer a lot of the time. What I need is someone to go, that's good. Mm. Mm. Or it's not f within your own catalogue and oeuvre. You know, it's like you, you. This is this is you at your strongest, or you. At, this isn't you at your strongest, and then you've got to figure out why that is. And and I yeah. think Rick's great at that. And we haven't spoken about this because it's not really my lane, but I, I I know her as well, and we've hung out before. I mean, how honest is Jamila about this stuff? It's funny you say that because Jamila's a huge part of why I made the record this record because she was always a huge fan of my early kind of electronic stuff mm. and you know whenever i'd go out and play live she'd love stop what you're doing and voyeur in those moments and she was like you have to let people see that this is what you're also doing right now and not just you know like you did it when you were 22 like mm. you've you're you've been doing it this whole time and it's a whole side to you that people aren't seeing. Mm. Let them see it, you know. Because in my mind, I was like, right, where do you go from Friends of Breakout? You go further down that road and, and, and otherwise people won't connect. And it's like, she was like, no, this is, this is the most quintessentially you thing. And she would know, given how you know close we are and how she knows me. And it's like, it, I hadn't put my confidence behind myself in that way until she sort of just forced me to look at it you know as a as a at least you know she was just at least at least entertain it as like these tracks you've made that you've been playing me but you think they don't fit on a record they do you know and 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 it's going to be great and it's going to be great live <laughs> and actually when you came round you said words to the similar effect you know um but more heavily leaning into the live side, like what you were saying about the, uh, you know, um, tell me and how you were like, this is, and, and how Big Hammer might be mm -hmm. the opening notes to a show. And it's like, it just, you know, it's like watching, watching Carti at, uh, did you mention Carti at yeah, the oh, yeah. Rolling Loud? Yeah. Was I, didn't, it? I didn't see the Rolling Loud. I went to the fucking four, my first show out of quarantine. It was like my, right. like I, I'm not sure I've actually ever recovered. Him at Rolling Loud with with that kind of backdrop and everything, yeah. it was it was really in, and like the opening notes and like how people, how much people knew it was about to just be so anarchic and like that. Dude, it's just all you got to do is hear that fucking wake up filthy yeah drop yeah right wake yeah. up filthy and everyone just goes fucking that's it bad shit that's it. I mean, it it blows my mind actually while we're just talking about opium for a second how um. I'm used to like varying sounds can, 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 can sort of register in people a reaction that is mad, mm -hmm. but for it to be a producer drop. 
that is all you need to hear. Yeah. And it's like someone just triggers 20,000, 40,000, right. 60,000 people to just go absolutely crazy. Mm-hmm. Just that little weird. Yeah. Bring. That little Nokia text message thing distorted with the wake up filthy. It's yeah. fucking genius. It's great. It's like pulls you into the present. You're yeah, like right yeah. there. And, yeah. and actually that is kind of what we need the most in a way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, without getting too philosophical about that drop. I could go on about 20 minutes about that drop. Um, mm-hmm. Also getting into that idea of, um, of you talked a little bit about the sugar water. I can imagine that you need someone in your life mm-hmm. who isn't, no disrespect to anybody who's trying to do right by you mm-hmm. and put you in the right rooms with the right people, mm-hmm. but isn't saying, well, James, it's the voice that people want to collaborate with right. and the production side right. of things too, you know, yeah. but like people want your tone on their mm-hmm. songs. I mean, it's, 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 you're right up there with the sort of samphers and the great vocalists who people are like, oh, please Thanks. give me some, some of your soul on my music. And so I can imagine that it might be quite hard to separate that side of what people are asking for in mm-hmm. their world mm-hmm. versus what you should be doing in your world, right? Yeah, and actually... It's quite a big bowl of sugar water, that one. It is, and and um, I think the way I feel about it is that without making music like this, I wouldn't be in that conversation, really. Even though this might not be the side... That everyone knows. The, the, that yeah. everyone, um, those kind of people you're talking about like if you want to feature a vocal feature or whatever it's like this might not be that side the side they're thinking of yeah but it's also the reason i'm on their radar in the first place yeah and yeah the more i can be myself the more right those collaborations will be well and that's why this album's so important right because it actually marries the two nicely for the first time yeah for sure yeah it does because uh, you know if you go back and listen to some of my early electronic stuff like mm. it doesn't um there might be vocal samples, but a lot of it isn't me. Mm. Uh, whereas this is dance music with my voice on it, mm, mm. and that—that's new for me. That's why like, I love so much. I mean, much. before there is obviously the before EP, but the before EP is also much more down tempo generally than this. Um, this is, uh, you know, tell me especially is is heavy and and fast and, and that bit where you go over and over and over and it's just like oh man, hearing you just willingly and openly press the button yeah you know it's, totally. it's it's like so for anyone listening the button is the moment in a song where the most obvious thing is the right thing to do right right the most right thing to do if you if you're leaning instinctively into a place mm-hmm. where you can imagine sixty thousand people going over and over mm-hmm. don't shy away from it yeah have the confidence that it's the right thing and to do and then give them and give it to them give them the drop give them yeah. the drop yeah, it's uh, wow. It goes on a long time now, doesn't it? The the tale. I stole it from the BBC. Wow. Yeah. That's and political. Not really. It's a fucking sound effect. Nine years. No, just symbolically. I mean, you know, leave the BBC, go to Apple. There, would, there was something. Take their bomb sound effect. Listen, mate. They they wouldn't let me take the hottest record in the world, so I stole their fucking bomb. I mean, that's almost the truth. Yeah. They were like, "No, we're going to keep that." I was like, "Well." I'll keep this. So, so another, they definitely won, by the way. <laughs> yeah, they won. Is there an is there another 
So, so an- another broadcaster can't can't say the hottest record in the world. Is that trademarked? I could have, but it would have been a reach for me to go on almost at the same time as my friend Annie, who was doing that slot, and go, "No, I've got the hottest record." In the I see. World. Of course, of course, because there can only be one hottest record in the world. Well, yeah, I mean. It, and it's like best chicken, isn't it? It's like you can't. Can you imagine if she'd have gone like, "Here's tonight's hottest record in the world," and then I came on and was like, "Well, actually, I have the hottest record." I mean, it would have been ludicrous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Had a successful run, mm. long, you know. Should probably stay with the company. Yeah, but I jacked the bomb. Yeah. I'm no, not. Ma- I'm, like, I'm not mad with what I walked away with. No, 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 no. I think you did well out of it. I'm still using it. Yeah. Is it exactly the same sound effect? Exactly the same. Wow. Yeah. Wow. You should sell that. You could sell that as an NFT. Are we still doing it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? That's going to come back and bite me in the ass. Yeah. The NFT 2.0 revolution yeah. in three Ooh. years' time. That's not going to age well. That's going to be an NFT. What you just said and what I just said will be an NFT. Cut that out. Put it in the file marked future NFTs. We'll make a fucking fortune. I'm worried I might be an NFT. You already are. Fuck. In a parallel universe, you're only an NFT. Can an, an NFT can be a physical thing, so... Mm. Imagine... Oh, that's interesting. It can. Yeah, I just yeah. know I'm right there. Houses can be NFT. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I get it. It works. It works, um, it works for me. I... Uh, but I... Yeah. It's a confusing world of... Um, the last 10 to 15 minutes of this album are profoundly moving. Thank you for asking a question there, because I just... I didn't have any more banter about NFTs. Oh, that's what I do. And that... Yeah. That's what I do. That was really smooth. Thank that's you. what I do. Um... <laughs> Yeah, it's it's profoundly moving. And um, to me, it's where the concept of the album truly reveals itself. Mm-hmm. And I think that it actually starts pretty human. Mm-hmm. The album starts as like this human being finding finding yourself in this place where collaborations with artificial intelligence or uh, pre-designed presets, things can mm-hmm. exist. Mm-hmm. I'm figuring this out. At the end, it's like a fully symbiotic relationship, mm-hmm. which is in perfect harmony. Is that... was. Am I getting that right? That's how it felt, feels to me. Yeah. Um, in other words, the the biggest songs are at the front, at the top. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can't wait for the day that you're an NFT. Yeah. No. Um, <laughs> well, look. For a start, the last song on the album is effectively the title track. And so that's a reveal in itself. Yeah. And then the, it, the as I said, at the time when I heard it, those three pieces of music almost feel like one bit of music that's kind of flowing together as a three-part piece. Mm-hmm. And it just it just feels to me like you've you've found yourself more immersed in their space than they are in yours. It feels like yeah. you are in control at the beginning, and perhaps you don't have the control at the end. Yeah, that's 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 an interesting read on it actually. And I, and I think the the songs at the beginning. Um, they they are kind of in a way this the sort of spiritual blueprint of the record uh that the the kind of the modular stuff and and all that stuff has has kind of followed mm. as well mm. um you know like playing robots into heaven the actual track is kind of sounds like a almost like a church organ um or pipe organ um which is where the name came from. In fact, there's an Instagram post from two years ago where it's just this kind of modular synth and it just says uh, the, the, ro- uh, the organist that plays robots into heaven. That was the caption. And I said that 
and then I just left it and it just I just left it you know in reels or whatever mm. you know and then it didn't think about it again until I was compiling all this stuff and then I went back to that name mm. um and that was actually the track playing in that video is mm. playing robots into heaven and mm. that's what ended up being the last track mm. so the whole thing is a, a kind of an exercise in spirituality through machines really and and giving it back uh to them in some way yeah um because i think it's a surprise when you're a musician and you finally especially when you're dealing in stuff like this it's it, it's it can so easily end up in a bunch of unusable noise um for me uh but when i got the hang of it i was able to create beautiful music with it and that's when you know i'm kind of merely a curator in that space in that in mm. that moment mm. you know it's like it's spitting stuff out and i'm just going oh that's good that's good you know it's it's not always predictable it can't be re you know it's, it's very hard to remake the same thing again um in fact maybe impossible um so each moment that is on the record that is, is a modular jam or whatever is a snapshot in time that yeah. a jam that will never be made again yeah. and that I guess that kind of special to the to this record. Whereas on a lot of other records, there are things I could replay, or there's things that could have been made diff in a different way. But but this is yeah. To your point, it's everything that creates is it by design, it, both perfect and imperfect, right? Because mm -hmm. it's it's unpracticed, it's unrehearsed. There is no discipline to it. It just yeah. exists. Yeah, yeah. Spontaneous display of melody or sound, sound design, mm -hmm. rhythm, something of that nature, and then to build something around it, to give it life and let it breathe and find emotion through the human experience. Mm -hmm. It's like one of the most like beautiful examples of that you know, what craft work kind of ultimately began mm. on a mass level and others. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, there's a there's a long line of um, of people who've made kind of human sounding music with with uh, drum machines and synths and, and all sorts that have, have that who've, who've tweaked them to kind of be more, I mean, FX Twin's a good example, you know. Chemical you'd... Brothers, I mean, I asked them about it. I mean, they have hours yeah. and hours and hours and hours and hours and they just literally jam. They yeah. jam with drums and loops and figure yeah. things out. And I'm like, you know, I think that's the most fun part for them. I think the albums are just kind of a byproduct of the joy of doing it. Exactly. that, And that's really, you know, without, you know, I could talk about it all day on the technical side, but really, ultimately, it's having loads of fun with a bunch of gear and just, and then just singing over it though. and that's still to come in part two of this conversation boffin's corner with yes. myself and james blake where yes. we will dive deeper and deeper so deep in fact that you may never come out of the uh circuit board yeah into the modular synth experience mm -hmm. how it's affected james blake's sense of mental well-being and ultimate <laughs> descent into insanity it's been actually ironically it's been great for my mental health because the the way i interact with them i don't use screens oh yeah um, so it's all just sensory. I think you lose um, musical intuition and sense yeah. when you stare at a screen too long. Yeah. It's like you just can't yeah. hear what you're well, it's screaming. Doing it's screaming at you to refine, 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 refine. Yeah. That's what I found. Whenever I'm making music, it's mm -hmm. the hardest thing I can do is leave it unrefined, which mm -hmm. is ultimately probably better. And I think it, you just get drawn into this idea. The mm -hmm. amount of times I've caught myself like it was so much better an hour and a half ago. Every time I use a computer, that's how I feel. I got to a point where I was like, oh, this has happened enough times that I've lost like I have to keep going back to early versions. Yeah. It's like, why am I doing it? Just, just don't do, don't just don't use it. Yeah. And then maybe, and you know, and then when someone comes into the room, 
if I've been staring at a computer screen for two hours, three hours, yeah. someone comes into the room and I'm just like, <laughs> like I don't have any like human left. So I just have yeah. to, I just have to be like, you know, talking to me is like, it's just very functional. Like it's, I'm not, I'm not really like truly connected anymore. And and if that's how I am with someone when I've been staring at a computer screen, which I think it happens to everyone, by the way, mm. which is why I think it explains so much of online discourse, mm. you know, and, mm. and it's, it explains so much of like why we can't, why we're finding it hard to talk to each other in a, in an empathetic way. Mm. It's like, that's what these screens are doing, whether they are designed to do that or not. Mm. Um, they are doing that. So that's what sort of led me away from screens and that's and modular synths and and kind of hardware stuff and like gear and that's just you know yeah you could call it like a sort of like obsessive it can be develop into an obsessive hobby but mm. it's actually a very connective hobby it's it's way closer to bonsai and fucking yeah totally it's way closer to that than it is close to programming you know it's it's way closer to pottery than it is to, you know, that kind of intense. I right, give me a phone. You fucking blew it. You, I, I, you ever cooked? You ever cooked it? Too critical. Do you know what? Give me your phone. Give me your phone. But you can I have it just a bit longer? No, you're done. No, no, no. I'm gonna remove the sim. I, I, <laughs> we don't even have sims anymore. <laughs> There's just a couple of games on this that I do like. <laughs> fucking Tetris, I bet. What do you do with it when I give it to well, you? That's up to me. Listen, just give me the damn phone. Okay. Get rid of it. All right. Back okay. to fucking Nokia for you, mate. Well, there's obviously yeah. Uh, what? Don't say it. Don't well, you? Don't you say it? There's always. Don't say it. There's always. Android. Get out! Get out! Get out! <laughs> That's what you should have called the album. Music for androids. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um. Is the bit over? It's a, yeah, it's the thing about bits. You've always got to walk them back. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's like when you pr really pretend to walk out of a room and then you have to go back in. How long do you wait out there for? I yeah. just don't come back. Yeah, sometimes I don't come back. And then I'm like, yeah. that'll show you. Everyone just got on with the night. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, oh, whatever. Then it's like when back. you do a... He thinks it's still a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like in the back of the mind of somebody who's done an Irish exit, there's always the feeling of, I bet they... I bet that's confused them. Yeah. I bet they're, yeah, yeah. I bet they're talking about it. And no one cares. <laughs> <laughs> and I think therein lies a nice way for us to pause until our next conversation. Cool. cool. No one cares. Yeah. Catching up with James Blake alongside many other conversations right here on the interview series. If this is your first time checking it out, we appreciate it. There's lots to dive into and we'll be back again next week.